So the other night before bed, I was in a foul mood. I just had a bad attitude. You can verify what Jennifer, she'll, she'll tell you. Like, I just, I just had a bad attitude going on. And it centered around a discussion that we were having, and we did not see it from the same angle. And so we kind of got to the point where we just had to agree to disagree. Which, by the way, those of you who are newer in your relationship, let me just help you out with someone who's been married over 20 years now. When the Bible says, do not let the sun go down on your anger, it does not mean that you have to solve every detail and discuss every issue in your conversation and solve it all before bed. That's not what it's saying. <laughs> Sometimes you just have to go to sleep, right? It's just saying, don't go to bed mad at her. Get to the point where you're expressing the fact that you love her, you forgive, you're asking for forgiveness, whatever needs to be done so that you don't go to bed mad. And then the next day is going to be fun, and, and that's exactly what happened. I woke up the next day, and I was in a glorious mood. I was in an amazing mood, and, and we were having breakfast together. Things were good. And I just thought to myself in my own head, I was just like, seriously, Brandon, like, like, like what happened? What changed? I mean, from last night's bad attitude to this morning, everything is all good. Like, what changed? And as I thought about it, as I processed it, I realized there's only one thing that had changed. I had gotten some sleep. <laughs> like, that's apparently what I needed. I got some sleep, and I woke up, and I was in a better mood. That question, though, what has changed, is a really important question. Because sometimes in our, in our life, we, we don't find ourselves where we want to be or maybe where we used to be. And as we're in this conversation on prayer and this vertical teaching series, I found that a lot of people are not where they want to be in their relationship with God. They want to pray more or they want to have better conversation with God. They want to hear from him. They want to experience more of God, but things aren't like they used to be or like they imagined them. And so this question, what's changed, is really helpful. It's really helpful because God doesn't change. So if you're not where you used to be in your walk with God, you have to ask the question, what's changed in me? Because God didn't go anywhere. God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So what has changed in me if God hasn't changed? And so what we want to accomplish in today's message is we just want to have a conversation about the ways that we tend to pull away from God, the things that can change in us that prevent our prayers, the things in us that can, that can unravel an otherwise great relationship with God and get us going the wrong direction. And so we want to understand, we want to gain wisdom today, but we also want to get some practical help on learning how to adapt and, and make the right changes. And so today as we, we talk about this conversation around prayer in our, in our vertical series here, my, my hope is that you will take notes and that you will grow and you'll learn some things not only for you but those in your life that you can influence and help them to grow closer to God. So today we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 15. And God's word shares a, a powerful story. It's going to help us a lot. It's, it's a story about the first king of the nation of Israel. And God's people, their first king, his name is Saul. And we're going to read about his first big mistake as king. 1 Samuel chapter 15, we're going to begin in verse 1. It says, Samuel said to Saul, I am the one the Lord sent to anoint you king over his people Israel. So listen now to the message from the Lord. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I will punish the Amalekites for what they did to Israel when they waylaid them as they came up from Egypt. Now go and attack the Amalekites and totally destroy all that belongs to them. Do not spare them. Put to death the men, women, children, infants, cattle, sheep, camels, and donkeys. 
So this is some serious stuff. God is unleashing his wrath on this entire nation because of what they did to his people. They did not spare his people, and so God's not going to spare them. And there's a lot to this story, a lot to this conversation, but what we need to know for today's message is that God said to destroy everything because of what they did, destroy this wicked nation. The story goes on in in verse 8, Samuel, he follows the word of the Lord and he goes and he attacks this this evil nation. Pick up the story in verse 8, it says that Saul, he, he took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive. And all his people, he totally destroyed with the sword. But Saul and the army spared Agag and the best of the sheep and the cattle, the the fat calves and the lambs, everything that was good. These they were unwilling to destroy completely. But everything that was despised and weak, they totally destroyed. Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel. I regret that I made Saul king because he has turned away. Come on, say turned away. Yeah, because he turned away from me. And has not carried out my instructions. Samuel was angry and he cried out to the Lord all that night. So Saul was commanded to go and destroy this evil nation. And he mostly obeyed what God asked him to do, right? I mean, he mostly obeyed the word of the Lord. He went and he destroyed most of that evil nation, but he spared the king. And he spared all his choice animals. He took some of the plunder from this battle and he kept it instead of destroying it all before the Lord. And and he probably thought, well, it's not a big deal. He had his reasons. We're going to get into that a little bit later. But it was a slight turn away from what God asked him to do. And instead of full obedience, he gave God partial obedience, which is really disobedience. And and then he says here in in 1 Samuel chapter 15, you you read it with me just a moment ago, but, but take a look again. He says, I regret that I made Saul king because he has turned away from me and has not carried out my instructions. Do you see that? He said he has turned away from me. So he used to look to me for direction. He used to follow me. And I I had him anointed as king of my nation, of my people, but now he's turned away and he's gone a different direction. It's all about the turn. And Saul turned away from the Lord and he turned to eventual consequences in his life, bad consequences that would cost him his leadership, it would cost him so much that God had in store for him because he turned away from God. Kingswood University in New Brunswick, Canada, reached out to me again the other day. They had asked me if I would be willing to teach a church planning course as an adjunct professor. I I taught this class a year or two ago, and it is an online class. I love church planning. I believe that planting churches is one of the most important things happening on planet Earth. And so I've coached a lot of church planners and have obviously planted a church. And anytime I get the opportunity to speak about it, I usually say yes if I can. And and so they asked me if I would teach this class again. And I was kind of thinking about it. I I told them I, I would love to do it, but I was kind of thinking about my experience. Uh, being in education as a student and then on the other side being a teacher. And I was thinking about how so often at the beginning of a course, at the, the first day, day one, you can, you can tell so much about the students and what they're going to get out of the class and what grade they're going to get in the class based on their posture. Right? I mean, you, you remember this from school, whether it was grade school or whether it was higher education. You, you know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, you have some students on day one. I mean, they're coming in late. Right? They're sitting in the back row. They're slouched. You know, they don't have notes out. They're just there. They're talking to their friends. It's like they're not really there for the education. They're there because they've got to be there or because there's some cute girl on the other side of the class. I mean, they're just, they're just there to be there. 
But then on the, on the other hand, you have some other students, they're sitting towards the front, they're on the edge of their seat, they got their notes out, they're ready to go, they're ready to learn, and you can tell who's going to get the most out of that class. See, posture is a predictor of future outcomes. And whether you're leaning in or whether you're pulling back, I mean, your posture of your body and the posture of your life before the Lord says so much about where you're headed. And the big deal here for Saul was, was not that he did some massive thing. See, we, we start to think of our sins in, in terms of distance. How far did I go away from what God said? And Saul would argue, well, I didn't go that far away from what God asked. God asked this, and I only changed it a little bit. I justified it just a little bit. I had good reasons. I just changed a little bit about what God asked me to do. I didn't go that far of a distance. But God said it's not about your distance. It's about the direction. He turned away. He turned away from me. He didn't say he made some massive, huge failure. He did these horrible things. No, he said he turned. He turned, it's really important, the word he used, he turned away. He, he changed his posture. Instead of following God, looking to God for direction, he started to look to something else for his compass. And in this case, his compass was his reasoning. It was his fears. It's what he wanted to do or didn't want to do. And he made a different decision than what God asked him to do because he disagreed with God. I've got a better idea. And so he turned and he went a different direction. And you can tell so much about where someone's headed in the future based on where they are turning today. It's true in a relationship. If you start to turn in your thoughts towards somebody else, your relationship's in trouble. You start looking elsewhere. Now, you made the vow for a second, but if you start thinking about it in your heart, you start looking with your eyes elsewhere, your relationship's headed for trouble. You, you see it in, in the world of employment. An employee, you know, they get their feelings hurt. They get a hard assignment that they can't, they can't handle. Maybe they get some poor feedback, right, and things are not going well. Right, and so, and so things are not going good, and pretty soon they're scrolling online, looking for other positions, looking for other jobs. They're talking bad about their employer, and you just know they're not going to be working there much longer. And whether they get fired, they're transferred, or they move on to some other job, you just know it's not going to last because there's been a change in their heart. There's been a turn inside of them. They, they used to be full in, and, and hey, I'm all in, whatever it takes, and now it's like, well, I'm kind of in if it's convenient for me, and you know where that's going to head. And so it's all about the turn in our life. It's, it's about the direction that we are facing. That's why the Bible says in Proverbs to guard your heart above all else, to guard your heart. Because out of your heart, that's, that's where life comes, right? And, and it's, it's the heart that we need to protect, the direction of our heart. And the moment that you start moving towards sin, you begin to move away from God away from the plans he has for your future, away from all of the things that you really want. See, here's the important lesson today. Every step now can influence my future walk with God. Every step now, one small step, turning and going in another direction, you're saying, well, it's just a small thing. It's a small sin. It's just a few words. It's just a few thoughts. It's a few actions. It's not that big of a deal. And that's, that's surely what, what, what Saul said to justify his behavior. It's not that big of a deal. But every small step now influences your future walk with God. What your relationship with God is going to look like six months from now, you can trace it back to the small steps that you're taking today. Steps towards God and toward honoring him, towards prayer, or steps away from him. So our direction is critically important. The same is true not just in taking steps away from God, but it's taking steps to God. 
Instead of waiting until you're ready to take some massive step back into a relationship with God, perhaps you've drifted from him, perhaps you used to have daily time alone with God and read his word and pray, and you used to have a great prayer life, but you know, just things happen and you're not as close as you used to be. And you're kind of waiting for this big moment to catch you. You're waiting for this, this, this mountaintop experience to set things right or until you can kind of work your way back to where you want it to be. And, and you know, it's, it's not really waiting for the big moments to catch us. It's taking that small step. Because when you're going the wrong direction, you may have taken 100 steps the wrong direction. But you have not outrun the distance of God's grace. It's simply one step back to him where we turn. We turn and we face God. That's what repentance is. It's to turn and face the other direction. It's turning towards God and away from sin. It's all about the direction. It's all about the turn in in our life. And if you want to know the, the future destination that you're headed for, you need to look at the direction that you're facing. Because it's not so much about the distance that you've gone. Look, the distance you've traveled so far on on the road you're going is just a mile marker on the path towards the eventual destination. And and so wherever it is that you're headed, right, for for good or for bad, it's about your direction and what you're facing. And God said to Saul, Saul, your heart has turned the, the other direction. Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 11, he says, go now and leave your life of sin. Go now. It was immediate. Like, go now and leave your life of sin. It's it's action-oriented. You don't hear a lot of talk about repentance these days. You don't hear a lot of preaching about it. You don't don't read a lot about it. but, but, But Jesus, he was all about repentance. He was about grace. He said, I didn't come to condemn you. I came to show you my love. But go and sin no more. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Change direction. I heard someone say that God is into to 180s, not 360s. Right? Because 360s can be confusing. Right? That's how we a lot of times live. We're, we're following God one day, and then the next day we're like following ourselves, and we're going a different direction. And then we turn back and we follow God on Sunday. But then by Friday night, we're, we're facing the other direction again. And, and living a 360 life is confusing because you're always spinning around. You never know which way you're headed. But, but Jesus is into 180s. When, when we're headed away from him, he helps us change and start following him and move towards him. It's a clear and decisive change. It's called repentance. You were going that way, now you're going this way. And, it, and it's all happening in one moment as you turn and you face God. And, and yes, you have a, a journey ahead of you, a lifetime of change and, and, and working through consequences and seeking forgiveness, maybe making restitution from past poor decisions, mending relationships that have been broken. There is a lot of work to be done after repentance, but no real work can be done until there is repentance. And repentance is simply saying, I was going this way the wrong direction. Like Saul, I was headed away from God. I was following a different compass for my life. But now I'm going to turn back to God. So what what pulls us away from prayer is we're talking about getting vertical and and, and getting closer to the Lord in prayer in this series. What's going to be the difference maker? It's turning back to the Lord. Turning away from sin and the ways of the world. So where, where do you need to turn in your life these days? When you think about where your prayer relationship with God is headed. Where your walk with God is headed. Are you walking toward God or are you walking away from him? Because if you think you're standing still, you're mistaken. We're doing one of two things. We're walking closer or we're walking away. And so if you haven't been walking towards God, this is, this is the day God brought you here to hear this message so you could turn and start moving his direction and see change in your life. First Samuel chapter 15. Let's take a look together at verse 12. So Samuel's upset because he knows he needs to confront Saul on his sin. We pick up the story in verse 12. It says, early in the morning, Samuel got up and he went to meet Saul. But he was told, Saul has gone to Carmel. 
There he has set up a monument in his own honor and has turned and gone on down to Gilgal. When Samuel reached him, Saul said, the Lord bless you. I have carried out the Lord's instructions. But Samuel said, what then is that bleeding of sheep in my ears? What is this lowing of cattle that I hear? Saul answered, the soldiers brought them from the Amalekites. They spared, and and notice how he's pointing the finger. They spared the best of the sheep and the cattle to sacrifice to the Lord your God. But we totally destroyed the rest. He's emphasizing the things that he did right, and he's trying to minimize the things that he did wrong. Does that sound familiar? (laughs) If you want to make a confession right now. Yeah, he's justifying his sin. We've We've all been there. That's exactly what he's doing. Down in verse 16, Samuel says, enough, enough. Do you see that? He says, let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. Take a look at this. He says, Samuel said, although you once were small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel, and he sent you on a mission saying, go and completely destroy those wicked people, the Amalekites. Wage war against them until you have wiped them out. Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? You see that? He says, why did you do evil in the eyes of the Lord? And that had to be a part of Saul saying, why did you do evil? I, I mostly did what God said. And Samuel, speaking on behalf of God, said, no, you did evil. Because the Lord commanded you to do something, and you had a good reason for what you did, but you did not obey the Lord. And because you did not obey the Lord in the small things, he's not going to do the big things that you really want him to do. See, Saul wanted to lead. He wanted to be successful. He wanted to be liked by the people. He was the first king of the nation of Israel. Talk about pressure. There was no precedent. He was the first king of the nation of Israel. Before him, Samuel had led and the judges had led this country and they'd led it well, but they, the people, they wanted a king. And God said, okay, I'll give you a king. And they gave him Saul. And Saul is already making his first major decision. And what's his, his major mistake that he's making? It's to turn away from the Lord. Look, look back at verse 12 with me for a moment. See, it says, early in that morning, Samuel got up and he went to meet Saul, but he, the, he was told, Saul has gone to Carmel, and there he set up a monument in his own honor, and he has turned, come on, say turned. Yeah, he has turned, and he's gone on down to Gilgal. He, he had turned away from the Lord so much so that he had not only gone a, a new direction, a different direction, but he started to set up a, a monument in his own honor. He set up a monument to honor himself. He once was worshiping God. Now he's getting people to worship himself and and honor him. Small direction changes can bring big and devastating changes in our lives and in our future. Because it changes the posture of our heart, who we are honoring and worshiping. Why are small things such a big deal to our God? It's because God knows that small things do not stay small things. If you compromise just a little bit in your character, a little bit in your integrity, God knows that that little crack is enough for the enemy to get into your life. And you're saying it's not that big of a deal, and God's saying, no, it's absolutely a big deal because that small thing is gonna cost you in big ways. And Saul, it cost him his kingdom. His kingdom later was divided, right? And he lost his leadership. There, there were so many things that came into Saul's life because his heart changed. He turned away from the Lord. It was a small direction change that had big consequences. You know, for a while now, there's been this thing trending on social media. It's POV, point of view. And, and people will, will take a picture or they'll grab a meme and, and they'll, they'll post it online with, with the description POV. This, this is my point of view. This is how I see things now, from, from my perspective, and I have some fun ones here I just thought I'd share with you. I, I like this one. It says, POV, 
you're at a four-way stop in the Midwest. <laughs> and everybody can relate to these guys like, well, who's going first? Whose turn is it? <laughs> right? I like this one. POV, watching your best friend having fun with her other friends. Like you didn't get invited. <laughs> Everybody's been there, right? And then this one's classic, the Michael Jordan meme. Uh, POV, you're fasting and some website asks you to accept cookies. <laughs> that ain't right. Uh, POV, you're talking to me and I had no idea what you said, so I just laugh and hope you said something funny. <laughs> you know you've done that. And, and this last one here, I love it. What your food sees from the microwave. You'll be staring into that microwave like, I can't wait to eat you. That's exactly what you look like, right? That's so fun. But, but the, where, where the POV post originally came from, it was usually people posting epic pictures like these, you know, looking out over the water, about to go surfing, standing in the water, looking out over a canyon. And, and all of these pictures, these POVs, are, are all about the point that you are standing on and, and looking out from, the, the place where you're sitting, this is what you see. It's, it's your POV. It's your point of view. And, and when you look at your life and, and, you, and you survey the landscape and you, and you realize that there's starting to be other things that you cherish more than time alone with God. There's things that you run to more than prayer to God. You have to start to ask the question, it might be that my POV has changed. Like what's changed? Like we began with, what's changed? Sometimes it's where you're standing. You have turned and you're now in a new place because you're standing somewhere else. So you're seeing other things that are more important to you than God once was. Another thing that can happen is not just where you're standing, it's what you're looking at from where you're standing. Sometimes our POV isn't just our, des our destination, where we are. It's not our geography. It's what's in our heart and what's in our mind, what we're looking at, what we're focused on, what we're chasing. And maybe inside of you, you're starting to chase some other things that seem more valuable to you than what God used to be in your life. Because, you know, if I could just have this, this special someone, if I could just get this promotion, if I could just attain this amount of wealth or success, these trophies on my wall, if I could just get to that point, then I'm going to have a good future. And you're depending on those things to deliver future happiness. And what's happened is in your heart, you've started to look at other things because your direction changed. So you're like, why do I not pray anymore? Why do I not experience more of God in prayer? It's because you're actually chasing something that you're loving more and you're depending on for happiness in your future more than God. But when you zoom out at the big picture, you have to realize that, that, that God has so much more that he can deliver to you than what those things that you're looking at can. Like you're just worried about these next 20 years in your future and God's saying, look, I got eternity that I'm trying to set you up with. Eternity in paradise forever. You can't even, and your human limited minds, you cannot even comprehend how long eternity is. Like there is no ending. Everything in your life has a beginning and an end. There is no ending to God's timeline. Not, like eternity, that's what God's trying to bless you with. And, and the depths of fulfillment and joy and love and peace that God can give you is, is far bigger gift than anything that it is that you're chasing and looking at right now. And then the reason why we drift and pull away from prayer and what's changed is it's our hearts changed. Like we didn't guard our heart like Proverbs says. We allowed our heart to be hijacked. And, and we have settled for lesser loves that have become ultimate loves in our life. And these things we're pursuing, we're chasing, and these are the things that we're living for and they're lesser things. And God is saying, I actually have more for you. I have more joy for you. Look at Psalm 16. I love verse 11 here. God's word says, you make known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy. Come on, say joy. Yeah, you fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. You know, if we start to look at other things to deliver 
love to us greater than God, and we think that other things are more, it's not that they're more than God. It's that we're seeing less of God than what he's wanting to show of us. And God is wanting us to see that he actually has more for us. So we need to find more of who God is in our life. We need to seek God. We need to pursue him to see who he actually is because he actually has more for us. But we've been settling for less and thinking that the world has more when it's the other way around. Maybe you can remember to a time where somebody introduced you to a new favorite drink, and it was, it was a really good smoothie. It's your new favorite frappuccino, your favorite, your favorite shake. And, and, and someone said, hey, you got to try this, and you tried it, and you're like, man, that's so much better than my old favorite. And your old favorite is not your new favorite anymore. You have a new favorite, and you're loving it, and you say, this is my new, my new favorite smoothie, my new favorite cappuccino. And it's because someone introduced you to it, and you kind of have this feeling later on after the second, third, fourth one, you're like, where have you been all my life? Right? Like, like I, I used to think this was the best, and now I found something that's even better. And that's how it is with prayer, really. I mean, it's like a lot of people wandering around and chasing things, trying to find satisfaction and happiness and fulfillment, provision in their life. And, and God's like, hey, I got all that for you right here. And we're chasing all these other things. He's like, I got something better. And, and when you finally, when you experience God, you pray and you want to pray more. And you experience more in prayer. And you get vertical. You start living vertical. You start living for the Lord. And you go to him for everything. You depend on him for your whole life. You don't just surrender part of your life. You give him all of your life. And you're living for him. And you're like, man, where have you been all my life, God? God's like, I've been here the whole time. You've just been missing it. You were turned over here chasing these things. You were turned over here chasing these things. But I've been right here the whole time trying to get your heart's affection and your mind's attention. When we finally give it to God, we realize that he's got more. Come on, say more. Yeah, come on, say more. Yeah, he's, he's got more for us. And so when we talk about going vertical, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take some rearranging of our lives. And here's, here's how I put in a statement if you want to write this down. To, to, grow, to grow my vertical may require some horizontal sacrifices. To grow my vertical means I'm going to have to sacrifice some things in the horizontal. It means all the things that, that you're distracted by, that you're chasing, that you're filling your schedule up with, you're going to have to sacrifice some of those things if you want to go vertical. Because there's a lot of horizontal distractions. There's a lot of other places I can turn and give my time and energy and efforts to. But God is saying, you've got to turn to me if you want to go vertical. When I was in high school, man, I, I was a basketball player. I really wanted to dunk a basketball and a 10-foot hoop. So I, so I ordered somewhere around my sophomore, junior year, I ordered this, this vertical leap program. And they shipped it to my house, and it had a whole program. Now, when, when I purchased it, I couldn't dunk a basketball. When it got delivered to my house, I couldn't dunk a basketball. Right? But this, this program, what it offers is if you'll do the work, if you'll put in the time, the weeks, and the months, if you'll, if you'll work out those legs, then over time you'll be able to dunk. That was the whole premise that got me to buy the program. And I kind of did the work. And I kind of could dunk. Right? I could get a little ball over the rim. But I couldn't do those 360 monster dunks I'd always imagined. But I still have that book. And I can, I can open up and show you it's about halfway completed. It's like I, I worked some of the program. But I was in high school. I got distracted. There was other things that were important to me. And I never finished it. So you've got to do the work. You've got to make sacrifices if you want to go vertical, if you want to get up to the, to the heights that you want to experience with the Lord. You have to make some changes. But it begins with a small step. You have to make some massive change today to experience more of God. You've just got to turn your heart to him, and you've got to take a step. You've got to take a step in his direction. Small steps lead to big outcomes over time because it's about, again, your direction. We just talked about this recently as a church. We said, hey, we have a big dream for the next season of our ministry. It won't be our, our final step, God willing, but it's our next step. 
And our next step is to do a, a massive building addition here in our central campus in Dunedin. God's been filling up these services. There's been lives being transformed and changed, families impacted. We've been helping the poor in our communities, serving our cities, making a difference in people's lives. And we're just saying God's doing so much. We've got to get ready for the next chapter, for the next season. And so we intend to build a multi-story building between our auditorium and our chapel. And it's going to be a beautiful space and allow us to reach families and kids and just so much impact that God's going to do. And all the different things we said we're going to accomplish. And we challenge you to give above and beyond this Kingdom Builders offering. And between the cash and commitments that we received in that Kingdom Builders offering a couple weeks ago, it's amazing. God's provided the first step. About $100,000 so far has come in to this initiative and this offering to prepare for what's next. That's incredible. You guys responded. I want to thank you so much. But we said, hey, this is just the first step of what ultimately a $2 million project. This is going to be a big project, a big step. So we're, we're taking a little step getting closer. But we can kind of see where God's leading us out in the future. Even though we're not there yet, we can't take all those steps today. We said we want to take a step in the direction we feel like God is leading us. And so we put out the vision, we sacrifice together, and we're moving in the right direction. And the speed of when we will get there is determined by the sacrifice of the people and God's timing. We can't control the speed. But what we can do is be faithful to take the next step. And so we're going to continue to do that. And some of you may want to continue giving above and beyond your giving to the next vision initiative. Some of you have the ability to write significant and sacrificial checks to this big project. In fact, if you want to write a check, you spell million, M-I-L-L. I'll just play with you. But, but all of us together sacrificing is how we're going to get to where God is leading us. But it's just one step at a time. It's one sacrifice at a time. And the same is true in our relationship with God. It's how we get where God wants to take us one step at a time. One more time, let's look back at this story, 1 Samuel chapter 15. Look with me, if you will, at verse 20. 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 20. Samuel's still having this conversation with Saul, and it says in verse 20, Saul says, but I did obey the Lord. He's still arguing his point. I did obey the Lord. I went on the mission the Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites. Now let me just pause. Did he completely destroy them like God said? No, he didn't. But in his mind, he says, no, I completely destroyed them, and, and, but also, you got to be careful with these words we tag on to our obedience to God. You're in a conversation with somebody, and they're telling you about how the, all the things that they did for God, and, you know, how they try to obey him and live for him, and but there was this one thing. Like, God doesn't ever ignore our, our subscript. Our asterisk. He doesn't let us just kind of put a little footnote in there and, and like, oh, it's, I'm only going to look at the big picture. The, the good things you did, I'm going to ignore these other things. That's why we need Jesus and not just a plan to live a better life. Because some people are on the plan, I'm just going to get religion in my life. I'm going to live a, a good life. I'm going to help a lot of people because I have done some bad things. I'll admit that I've sinned, but I'm going to do a lot of good things. I'm going to go to a lot of services. I'm going to pray a lot of prayers. And then God's going to overlook all those other things. And God says real clearly, that's not going to happen. When you stand before me, if you have sinned and broken my law one time, you are a lawbreaker. You're a rebel. You have sinned, and because of you, the Son of God was put on the cross. So you've cost the life of the Son of God. Do you think he's going to overlook the fact that you've rebelled against him just because you've done some good things? Like, what would it take for you to overlook someone taking the life of someone you cared about? That they were a good person? <laughs> no. You're not going to be able to forget that. And God said, no matter how good you are, it's not going to make up for the evil that you've done and how you've ruined my world. You're a sinner, a lawbreaker. But because I'm a God of love, my wrath does have to be poured out on sin. I'm a just God. I can't overlook it. I can't say there's no penalty because there is. There's always a penalty to sin, and it's death. 
But he said, but because I'm a loving God, I'm going to send my son Jesus to die on a cross for you willingly. And give up his life so you can have eternal life. If you look to him as your sacrifice for your sin and ask for forgiveness for your sins, you can be forgiven and made right with God. That's the good news. That's the, what we call the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ, that he gave his life so that you could find yours. It's an amazing thing. But Saul here in this story, he's, he's arguing and he's, he's putting up his ands and his buts and his alsos. He says, I completely destroyed him and I brought back Agag the king. Verse 21. The soldiers, they took sheep and cattle from the plunder, the best of what was devoted to God, in order to sacrifice them to the Lord, your God, at Gilgal. So now he's really justifying it. He's saying, hey, I'm doing this for your God. You ever have anybody do that to you? I'm doing it for your benefit. You know, I'm lying to help somebody. <laughs> That's why I lied. You know, I'm just stretching here because God understands. I'm just trying to help them. The reason why we're living together and sleeping together is because they didn't have a place to stay. I'm trying to help them out. <laughs> it's like we have all kinds of excuses for what we do and how we kind of get around God's plans. But notice how God responds, verse 22. But Samuel replied, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice. To heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. He says, Saul, because you have lied to the Lord, because you have not done what he asked you to do, he has rejected you as king. And he goes on in verse 24, then Saul said to Samuel, I've sinned, I've violated God's commands and your instructions. I was afraid of the men, and so I gave in to them. Now his real reasons are coming out. I was afraid, and so I gave in. Now I beg you to forgive my sin and come, come back with me so that I may worship the Lord with you. He says, Samuel, come with me. And Samuel's like, no. Like, you, I, I, you, you did what was wrong before the Lord, and you justified it. But your real reasons under the surface is you feared what you would lose by obeying the Lord, and so you lost something even more. You lost it all. And when we make decisions driven by our own greed, our own lust, our own fear, or driven by the desires of the flesh, our compass is broken, and it's gonna lead us to a broken life. And as some that are hearing this message today, you're in the middle of a broken mess because of your sin or the sin of someone else. And I will say to you, no matter what you're looking at as you look at out the brokenness of your life, whatever it is that you're seeing and, and, and the shambles that your life may be in, the answer is to turn back to God. Face him. There's still work to be done to rebuild and restore and renew what has been broken, but you've got to do the hard work to turn back to God and say, God, I'm not going to live for what I think is right anymore. I'm going to trust you in what you say and your word is right, and I'm going to follow you and I'm going to honor you in all things. See, Saul was minimizing time and space for God in his life because he had filled up his mental space with trying to please people, try to be a successful king. Our, our number one ambition is to love the Lord, to please him and live for him. But what happens is we crowd out God from our lives, from all these other things. We crowd God out with other distractions, other things, that, even good things that can fill up our lives and, and keep us from pursuing God in prayer. And so God gets pushed out to the margins of our life, and we give him a decreasing amount of time in our life, a decreasing amount of space. During the pandemic, a lot of people did that. They used to worship online and serve, or they used to worship in person and, and serve people regularly, and then they started worshiping online, and they got used to that, and they thought, well, I can make breakfast and watch my kids and attend a service online and get just as much out of it. I'm sure that will work out great long term. And people became spiritually malnourished. 
and their, and their spiritual appetite lessened. And some people drifted from God and no longer even walk with God. And their lives are headed toward ruin. Why? Because they gave God less and less space and time in their life. And they said, it'll be fine. I'll just, I'll just kind of squeeze God in in a little 45 minutes each, each weekend. And I'll just, just pull it up on my app and that's all. it'll just be a little bit. And, and, and that, God will be fine with that. And we decrease the amount of space we give to God in our life, and there's space in our life. Other things distract us. We make excuses. And what happens is it's all a disguise so we can chase the next thing that we think is going to be the best thing or the bigger thing in our life. And God is saying all along, no matter what it is that you're chasing, there is no better thing than me. Better is one day in your courts, God, than a thousand days elsewhere. There's nothing greater than God. And so here's the final lesson today. Pursuing God always comes before what's next. If you've drifted from prayer, if you've drifted from God's presence, I want to remind you that there is no next thing that's a better thing than Jesus. There is no next thing that's a bigger thing than Jesus. There's no next thing that's more than Jesus. He's the greatest thing in our life and should be our greatest pursuit. But shrinking God's space in my life, it's going to have an impact. It doesn't shrink God's power, but it will shrink his power in your life. Shrinking God's space in my life does not shrink God's wisdom, but it will shrink the wisdom in your life. And shrinking God's space in your life doesn't shrink his provision and his authority, but it will minimize the provision in your life. James chapter 4 Verse 7 gives us a concluding challenge today. In God's word it says, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. God's word gives us the answer if, if we're looking around at our life saying, What's changed? Why are things not like they used to be? Why am I not, not walking with God and experiencing him like I want to? It gives us the solution. Resist the devil. Stop looking at his ways and his world. Instead, turn to the Lord and draw near to him. And as you draw near to the Lord, he'll draw near to you. But you've got to make the turn. You've got to press in. You've got to give God more of your time and space. So we were on a, on a trip earlier this year, and, and the place we were staying, we had a busy schedule that day and all the things that were on our agenda, and there was some ministry stuff happening. And, and, and so we was early morning, late night, getting back to our hotel. And, and when we checked in, I remember the, the person at the front desk told us, hey, uh, while you're here, Bruce fam, you guys can have free breakfast. And here's where it is, and here's what time it is. And I got so excited. I was like, free breakfast for a family of six. That's awesome. Thank you very much. But because the demands were so much while we were there, and because the schedule was so packed, Every day that passed by while we were in this place, like we never had time to make it to the free breakfast. And I had this low-grade guilt that I was missing out on something, right, this whole time that I was there. I was like, oh, man, that's such a bummer. I mean, it's right there. They laid it out for us, this, this wonderful breakfast, and it was free. It wasn't going to cost anything, but we were too busy. We never got to sit down at the table and eat. And so I, I left feeling, even though I did get to eventually eat, I, I left feeling a little bit disappointed because I knew I missed out on an offer that was given to me and extended to me is something that would have satisfied my stomach and would have provided for my family, but I missed it because we were so busy. And some of you are so busy that you're missing out on God's banquet table. He has so much to offer you, so much wisdom and joy and love. There's so much that God wants to do for your family and in your future. There's so many things that God wants to do to strengthen your faith, and he's laid it all out for you on his table. And he's written it down in his word, and he says, just come pursue me experience me, spend time with me. Maximize and grow the amount of time that you spend with God, not minimize it. But if you try to microwave your faith 
you're going to end up malnourished spiritually. So my challenge for you this week is to make a plan, to spend more time with God, to get closer to God, to move towards Him, to turn from sin. Pick a time, a place, and a plan. So we teach in our growth track, pick a time, a place, and a plan to get closer to God every day. And make sure this week that you ramp up that investment that you're making of your energy and your, and your calendar so that you can see God ramp up the blessings and ramp up the purpose and ramp up the joy that he wants to deliver in your life. But it's going to require you in prayer to turn to the Lord. It's your turn to pray. And I hope that you'll get vertical this week and see God do more than you can ever imagine. Right on? Come on, let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for your grace in our lives. When we fail, we don't get it right, God. You're, you're so loving and forgiving. And God, time and time again, when we turn away from you and we turn to the things of the world, God, when we turn back to you, God, you receive us, you forgive us, you love us. But God, I pray today for those who hear this message and, and they're looking around at their life thinking, why, why are things not like they used to be or like I imagined them in my walk with God? What's changed? God, I pray that you'd remind them today that you don't change. You never have changed, God. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. So God, we, we recognize today that it's something in us. And God, if there's been a slight turning in our heart and into disobedience, into pursuing with our affections the things of this world, minimizing you in our schedules in our life, God, I pray that we would turn back to you today, that we would resist the devil, turn from him, draw near to you, God, and see you, God, draw near to us. And while we're praying right now, I want to give you an opportunity just to reflect on the status of your relationship with God right now. You know he loves you. You know he's there for you. And he'll listen if you pray. But the question is, are you seeking him? Are you pursuing him? Are you experiencing that abundant more in prayer that you've always wanted? If not, what needs to change? What has changed? Right now, just take a moment with the Lord and, and, and make a plan with the Lord and say, God, this week, I, I want to turn back to you. And here's how I'm going to do it. Here's my, my plan for how I'm going to meet with you. Here's the place and here's the time. I'm going to get with you, God, every day. I'm going to make and keep that appointment. And then, God, I'm going to carry your presence with me throughout every day. And just talk to him about that right now. While many are praying about that, I want to challenge those of you who are hearing this message and you're recognizing you have been following the ways of the world. And maybe you've run a long distance away from God, but I want to remind you, that again, it's about your direction. It's not about the distance you've gone because God's grace is sufficient to forgive you of whatever your sins. He will forgive you of all of your sins. He'll give you a fresh start, but you have to turn to him. You have to repent and you have to say, Jesus, I believe in you and your sacrifice on the cross. I receive you into my life. Forgive me of my sins. And you have to turn to him and turn away from the world. And if you'll do that today in your own words, in your own way, you can pray right now and God will forgive you. He will receive you and help you turn to him in prayer. And God, that's exactly what we do today. We turn to you in prayer and we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your love. And we pray that as we go throughout this week, that God, we would honor you and live for you with everything we've got. And we'd experience your abundant blessing as we experience life to the full in Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.